0: for private and corporate clients. He has worked on projects big and small from multi-million-dollar resorts to small home renovations and all things in between. He's a licensed architect who really loves hospitality interiors. He's a new entrepreneur as a result of reevaluating his life's purpose and passions. We'll get into that in a bit. He is a partner at Murphy Kramer Design. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Kramer. Welcome, Jeff. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, it's so good to see you here and to have your time. So thank you. Uh, First of all, I just want to say, I'm grateful to be able to speak with you live deep in the heart of Texas.
1: I, you know, I'm supposed to clap when you do that, but you know, I'm not actually from Texas. So, uh, you know, that I lost it, you know, (laughs) wait, where are you from originally? I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana originally. Oh my God. I always thought you were from Texas It's amazing. I've been here longer than, uh. Than Louisiana so it's easy to understand um though they, they you know people who are from here like to hold that against me just you're not yeah, actually I, from Texas
0: well I always thought you were so this is amazing and uh, a new surprise and that's what I always love about these conversations um one of the, one of the things that I know that we were speaking about or we've been speaking about for the past couple of years um but also I want the guests to know and also what's super in very intriguing is this idea of being an accidental entrepreneur, right? And a part of that in our conversations is uh, I love entrepreneurs, a big proponent, supporter of entrepreneurs. I am one myself, but I find that we as entrepreneurs can tend to be kind of more closed off where this is the path we're following. And these are the, this is my strategy. This is my plan. This is my tactics and how I'm going to execute them. And we all do that in some way, but then there's the other entrepreneurs who can be open-hearted and vulnerable and share like, oh my God, I've not done this before. Like, do you have any experience doing that? And I think one of the things that's really intrigued me about you recently, even though we've known each other for a really long time is how you do make yourself vulnerable in this kind of new entrepreneur hat that you're wearing so I just wanted to hear about that and dig into it because I think we can all learn and that's where the best parts of all these conversations are is is, is in our in our vulnerability so how did, how did you become an accidental entrepreneur
1: well I mean it wasn't you know accidental as much as you know it was this idea I had for a long time and you know for those who've known me for a while and you know there's going to be people that you know that laugh like Morgan Brody and like, okay, you know, if you've had this long range plan for as long as I've known you. Um, but really what happened um, was really just like you said, it was just kind of this reevaluation of, you know, of what I wanted and of my, uh, my own life. Um, my, you know, seven years ago, my father passed away. He was fairly young and, um, and it just gave me some time to think about, um, you know, what it, what is it that I want out of this? I mean, what, I, I, you only have, you know, life is short. You only have so much time. And, you know, what was it that I actually wanted? Um, you know, and it was something that I had thought about for a long time. Um, I had been at the time with... Uh, it was Seifert Murphy for a couple iterations of partners. And, um, I had been there for a couple of years and had by this point had really decided, um, you know, after trying numerous different things, um, that hospitality interiors was my, was my forte and what I really enjoyed doing. Um, you know, and that's a whole nother, you know, set of analysis on, on how I got there, but, um, you know, really just kind of sat down and broached the subject with Pat and Susan, uh, Pat, Pat Murphy and Susan Seifert. And um, we talked about it and we discussed it. And, um, you know, I, if you think it's hard to convince yourself to go out on your own, do that first and then go convince two other people to come along with you. Uh, that's sort of like this, <laughs> like... It was gut wrenching. Um, it was so good... that—that's
0: exactly the place where I'd love to dig into also because, you know, I think it, it, in sharing this, I think the the passing of any really close family member, especially in your immediate family, or in, I speak from my experience in my immediate family, it um even if it's known, if it's expected or une- unexpected or expected. Um, it creates this whole new life reevaluation. Right. Yeah. Um, And from my experience, when my father passed away, it was expected. He just was not healthy for a long time. But I did all this soul searching and obviously it didn't end there. I still am. But um, I read this one book. It's called um, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I don't know if you've read it. Um, but it was really a pivotal b- book for me in the sense that before I read that book, I used to think about, um, you know, hey, what do I want out of life? How how am I going to, you know, like Thoreau would say, like, suck the marrow out of life and live life deliberately. But after I read that book, I, instead of thinking about what I want from life, I started thinking, like, what does life want out of me? Like, what's my calling? How do I get yeah. in there? Right. So when you think about what life wants out of you and and trying to convince yourself and then trying to convince others and that wrenching area that you, or that wrenching place that you were like, how did you get the courage to take the steps forward, to have those conversations, not just with yourself, but with others? Because I think a lot of us can always learn from this, not just in starting a business, but just in life.
1: Um, I mean, really, obviously there there was a good deal of self-evaluation and kind of thinking through things. And um, I mean, not even just the planning aspect of it, you know, all the technical things of, you know, like, okay, what, you know, can I make this happen? Do I have, it, it really just, it took getting enough courage of myself to say, no matter what the, no matter what the result, you know, whether, you know, Pat and Susan were to say no, we're fine, see you later. Um, No matter, or if they said yes, but no matter what the result, that I was gonna be okay, no matter what. That it was, you know, I would be able to figure something out, that it wasn't gonna be this, um, you know, I wasn't gonna be struggling to go, how am I gonna live? I mean, you know, it just, but it took getting that courage of going, okay, I, you know, right or wrong or, you know, whatever the answer may be, I'm going to be all right. You know, um, you know, so that, that was really sort of this turning point of, of, of doing that and just going, coming to that acceptance of, Hey, am I okay if they say yes? Hey, am I okay if they say no? And either way I was going to be just fine with the answer. You know,
0: Um, as you're, as you're sharing that, Jeff, I'm thinking about um, I was just at the lodge oh, I saw you we were at the lodging conference yes. together yep. um did you go to the um the women in hospitality panel uh no I missed that one no oh, you didn't okay oh no no actually I did with with um Helen uh, and Venus, Venus yeah. and Shagruti. Yes. and um yeah well one of the as you're saying that um it brought me back to um, Helen Jorgensen with host who was up on stage um she said something to the effect that, someone was asking about her her journey and like what what it, what sh- could she share with herself or others and it was it was this idea of ask question and get and have someone someone else say yes or no to you don't have those conversations or be in that place where you are thinking about what the answers will be right so there's this like this gap between okay put yourself out there talk to your partners get them to say yes or no, but to get over that hump with yourself, to have the courage to ask the question, like so many people, me included, get caught in that speed bump of myself right? Right. (laughs) to never even hear it. And then then you put yourself out there and then you, okay, it's a decision tree. Is this happening or isn't this happening? So I think to hear you struggle with that courage to get over the speed bump of yourself to get to that point, I think we can all learn from in every single aspect of our life, from personal to family and in in, in business.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, uh, that probably, you know, once that decision was made, and once I realized, you know, realized that, um, you know, even just beyond, you know, broaching the subject of being a partner, It's helped me in a lot of different areas of like, I mean, especially after becoming a partner and all the different things that, you know, come along with that um, knowing and having that courage to go, yeah, I can, I can do this. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've seen it before. I can, I've seen what I can do. Let me see what else is out there. Um, So that's been fun. That's a really cool part of uh, the entrepreneurial kind of spirit.
0: Yeah. And if you could think of a, of another time, aside from, um, You know, having the courage to convince yourself to have this kind of conversation. Can you think of other times in your life or career where you, you know, in a way, you're you could be your own worst enemy? Oh, um,
1: yeah, I can. Um, We uh, we had this great opportunity. Um, You've heard about it, but uh, you know, Hilton allowed us to and awarded us the, the the project and task of redesigning. The Homewood suites prototype. Um, you know, and I am so task-oriented, it's so okay, they've got this impossible schedule, but I'm like, okay, we've got it. My team can do this. Is uh we chased that schedule to begin with, not as much on just trying to meet the dates that they had outlined. Um in, you know, I hammered it into my team and was like, okay, yeah, you know, we've gotta, we've gotta do this. This, you know, they're never gonna make it unless we do whatever. Um, And I I thought we turned in, you know, or returned okay work. Um, It probably was not the best, um, you know, because in my mind, I'm thinking the priority here is the schedule and meeting what their expectations are. um, Where Larry Traxler was so kind to explain that it was kind of the destination, you know, we're, we're really, we need to explore this. We need to kind of unpack this. Don't worry so much about the schedule. Um, he, he didn't say it in quite that term, but um, that was the gist of it. You know, we need to really uh, kind of work through the process of design. And if it takes longer, it takes longer, but this, that's the priority, you know, not meeting this. Um, and so... It was very much a uh, learning experience to me, where I'm like, okay, you know, you're getting in, you're overthinking this stuff. You're, you know, you're, 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 you're chasing down sort of the wrong thing, and you really, it, it took somebody else to kind of, uh, you know, to come back and kind of, you know, check us and say, hey, you no, know, that's, you know, essentially we were told that it was not good enough. Go back and try again. Um, you know, to, th- that was really humbling um, <laughs> to, to have to have to do that, especially with somebody that I respect a lot. But I think
0: that the lesson learned there is, again, you're, we all struggle with things. And is this my best foot forward? Is this the best? Is this the perfect? Oftentimes, you know, it's like, per- and I, I don't know which general said this, I think in World War I, but it was basically perfect is the enemy of good right so we can we can get so tied in a knot over perfection that if we put ourselves out there without the perfect answer or solution if we put ourselves out there and then get that feedback from others like sometimes that's the most powerfully changing and life altering information that we can get back but we're just scared to put ourselves out there so often
1: right yeah i mean the the, the big lesson behind that and for, you know, my team um, was that, you know, it, and this sounds like a, you know, it would be counterintuitive, but like that everything is important, um, you know, not just one thing or the other, um, what we, the work product we turn out um, and the, the way it is done and the way it's presented is just as important as the content. And a lot of times, um, you know, we would, oh, well, we can talk through, these are just ideas on paper. These are, you know, uh, they'll get through this concept, you know, conceptual idea and the graphics or the way we present it don't necessarily matter. Um, We have changed our thinking (laughs) based on that. (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, you know, it's important. And I I think it also... Obviously, like the podcast is defining hospitality, but, you know, if you think about so many of these conversations, again, there's no binary answer, but it's so much about how you make others feel, right? And I'll I'll get to your definition in a second, but, you know, as an entrepreneur, so much of it is getting our teams and all of our stakeholders from clients to employees to just All the people that it takes, the whole village it takes to run and operate a business and get from point A to point B, it's like, it's so much of it is making, is giving so much of ourselves to make others better so we can all accomplish a task, right? right? And I'm just, it just makes me think like with you as an entrepreneur and thinking about the others around you. And you may see someone else on your team or another stakeholder kind of struggling with making that decision within themselves before they can put it out to you. How do you help others um, get the that courage again to feel comfortable enough to, to share with you?
1: So, I mean, really it just, uh, it's time. I mean, <laughs> the best answer I have is time. Um, It's not one of those things you know every once in a while you'll run into somebody and you'll just click and it feels like hey that's right but um for the most part a lot of people take um it's it's getting to know you know anyone on my team enough to you know some of them some of them you just know that something's not right and i'll go and talk to them and they won't come to me but um even though i tell them hey my door's open all the time whenever you need to talk about this or, you know, work related or not work related, but, um, but they won't come anyway. And so I'll go to them cause I, I'm like, okay. And then some of them are, you know, all it took was just me saying anytime, come on in. And they are here, you know, more than, you know, more than necessary at times. Um, but, but both is fine. I mean, really both is fine. Um, you know, it's just, I want to know, you know, or it, it takes getting to know them, you know, well enough to know, uh, you know, when they're struggling, when they're having issues, when you, you also have to be, be present. Um, you know, it's like having kids, you know, you got to, you, if you're not there, you're not going to see and sense what's going on. Um, you know, not that my employees are children, um, but you know, the, they, sometimes they feel like it, I guess. Yeah, and, I think, and I also think everyone, even though they're
0: not children, They're obviously not children, but it's, it is this idea that relationships are these things, whether with our family or people outside of our family or just other people, like they just require nurturing. Right. And, you know, as you were talking, I had a vision of like every single professor in every university has office hours.
1: How many students actually go in and use them? Yeah. Yeah. I, I could count on like one hand, you know, only when there's usually problems, but I mean, gosh, I mean, it's not nearly as often as probably we should have. Yeah. Well, okay. So then I think that's also a good segue into
0: like the topic of the conversation, which is mm-hmm. defining hospitality. And if you think about getting, helping others become the best version of themselves or get over that, that inner conflict, it's about making them feel comfortable enough to do it, right. To open up and be vulnerable. How do... How do you define hospitality? So I mean,
1: I really think um, you know, well, one, uh, there, you know, it's like are you talking the uh, the industry or are you talking the individual, you know, the the actual noun of you know hospitable? all of the above. Yes, all of the
0: above. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah. So um, you know, really it's being um or providing uh you know, strangers or guests, kind of this comfortable, um, you know, warm, friendly, welcoming sort of experience, uh, you know, and really in whatever sort of, um, you know, uh, I wrote myself a note just so I can make sure I remember, but for, you know, and whatever sort of experience they're there for, um, you know, part of that has to do with being intuitive. um, So there's a little bit of anticipation on you know on our side um you know when when we were working on this prototype uh a lot of the time was was spent kind of defining who the guests were and then a lot of time kind of anticipating what their needs would be um and sometimes even before they were you know before they even know it you're kind of anticipating in advance what uh what kind of situations they may be in and what kind of needs would they be looking for and how can we comfort and provide them a comfort, warm and welcoming experience um and so i think that sort of it tiptoes around the question i think a little bit but it provides it uh, you know uh, pretty well kind of my thoughts on it this idea of anticipation is just so
0: difficult in anything, and I don't know. You know, you go to the, some of the best restaurants; they can, there can be some badgering. Hey, are you okay with water? Do you want another drink? You, want... or you can be in these places where I don't know how they do it. Especially like coming to mind is like Singapore Airlines. You're flying; you're on this really long flight. Somehow they just know when you're thirsty, and they bring you a glass of water. They don't even ask. It's like they just know. And I know it's not telepathy right i know it's a trained observation and i think what's also interesting you know to think about that idea of anticipation and ha- wanting everything to be perfect but realizing that it can't be perfect it also makes me think about you know your journey from being a, an architect to focusing on hospitality interiors where i find like again not all but most of the architects i know are you know, like so inflexible and like this is my thing i'm doing it's perfectly designed and and this is my edifice of whatever right 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 and then you switch over to the hospitality side of things or even on the interiors which is what the people are interacting with you really have to think about how they're re- interacting and again i think personally i'm also biased that that's the most important part of any building is what's going on in the inside. So how did you make that journey from architect to interiors and specifically in hospitality? Like what draws you there?
1: Well, I mean, the, you know, this is the simple answer was just dumb luck, um, you know, is really how I got into it. But the kind of longer answer was, um, you know, exposure, and working with, uh, you know, I guess my first exposure to it was with Leo Daly and working with Pat Miller there, um, and kind of really understanding a little bit more, um, you know, about what hospitality experience was, or you know about hospitality design and that kind of thing. Um, and then when I came to the firm that is now Murphy Kramer Design, you know, 17 years ago. Um, I really came as an architect to do these, you know, high-end residential projects. And um, because of my background and having some hospitality interiors experience, we, uh, you know, I, I got to work on, so, you know, they always had that as part of the project or part of what I was doing. Um, but really in the 2008 and 2009 downturn, when, you know, things really went kind of south all over the place. Uh, the the only work we had was was hospitality and um i was like okay this is this will be fine um you know and then i think it was probably 2011 maybe 2012 um and where i really you know i had to sit down and kind of think hey the market's kind of opening up again what do i really want to focus on um and this is the kind of the question of where you kind of go through a rubric of like, okay, you know, what do I like about it? What do I don't like, you know, kind of this pros and cons. And um, ultimately I came to the decision that, you know, I really like what I do. Um, I love the industry and, um, you know, I love everything about it and I'm going to really kind of wholeheartedly kind of go after it. Um, And that's, that's the short, short not so short answer to that question of how I actually got into it
0: yeah and also just thinking about the evolution from Seifert Murphy to Murphy Kramer you know I would always think of you guys doing high-end residential you know three plus to five star I don't know standalone like in one-off right. hotels right brand like this is is a sense of place and this is this so it's actually really cool. That Hilton had the, I guess, insight to say, hey, let's give these guys a try to see how they can do on Homewood Switch, which is like an iconic brand that's, you know, been around forever, but not in a sandbox that you're used to playing in. And it's super, um, that must have been. Of uh, like just an, uh, such an incredible exercise and and change of thinking, and also just focusing on the the anticip- who is the guest and what is the anticipation of that guest's needs.
1: Correct, yeah. So I mean, with our background in doing, you know, luxury resorts kind of all over the the South and Caribbean and Mexico and Latin America, um, it really we got pretty adept at you know kind of this workflow of how do we go identify you know. know, really immerse ourselves in the culture, really understand, um, you know, the locale and the, and the people. Um, so, and and then how that affects and, you know, affects the design of what we do. Um, you know, so that's really, you know, we still carry that sort of thought, even though we haven't designed a, a a resort since, um, gosh, uh, years ago. I mean, Baha Mar, I think, was the last one we worked on. Um, you know, it, and, but that same philosophies, that same process we bring to each one of those. So while it was a different sort of um, a completely different, you know, project type, um, you could kind of bring some, the same sort of thought process through to that. Um, and then, you know, Hilton was very adept at, at, at really kind of, walking us through and they have some great people um, on their design team and uh, on the other side that uh, really kind of as we as we all worked through this and all worked through okay who are the guests how do we define them what do they need Um, you know it really it was a great it it really kind of supplemented what we kind of do um, you know as we kind of thought through things stuff that we still carry through on new projects I mean like it was a Definite learning experience for us.
0: But I know that when I was speaking to Hilton and hearing that they were reconcepting homewood suites, the first thing that popped into my mind was, are they going to keep the duck? Where's the duck going? Where is the duck going? Is the duck there? Like what's what's going on? Is the, it hiding
1: uh, in other ways? So uh the duck actually has a name. Um, his name was Lewis. Um uh, and he is no longer, you know, the, the prototype was set in Memphis. And so we joked that, you know, that, that Lewis has left the building. Uh, he is not involved. Um, they, there's been a parting of ways as we speak, you know, that uh, they have, they've kind of really modernized everything. And that was while it, that kind of hunting lodge duck camp sort of feel um, was good for, you know, when the brand started. Um, they've made it. It's progressed
0: and on on the history of the of the brand, did the brand I know Hilton's they have um, a quasi headquarters for a lot of the select service in Memphis. Um, but was the brand Homewood Suites? Did that start in Memphis as well? Uh, I do not know the answer to that. I should okay. but the, I do not The reason why I was asking is because I remember one time, I think it was just after college, I was with uh, two of my closest friends. We were sitting in the Peabody playing cards in Memphis, mm-hmm. and there was no one there. We were just having some drinks, playing playing cards. And then out of nowhere, it, I felt like all these busloads of people just entered the lobby, literally from the mezzanine all around us, literally busloads. It got so crowded. And then all of a sudden, some guy in like a fancy jacket came in with like a wand or a marching band staff and was the duck master is it the duck master it's a thing yes yeah (laughs) so anyway he got to the fountain that we were sitting next to and the ducks like hopped out and went into the elevator and i guess they live upstairs but i was just very surprised that all these people came to see the ducks
1: yeah i mean it's it's a thing i guess uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I have taken my children there to see it. So, I mean, you know, people do come just to see that. So, um, Well, that and Graceland, right?
0: uh, They did not go to Graceland, but, you know, I guess. Or Motel Lorraine, which also I think everyone should definitely see. Um, Memphis is a cool town. I just started reading The Blind Side uh, with my son as we drive everywhere. And that all takes place in Memphis as well. I need a trip back there. It's been a long time, especially with the, the new Elvis movie that just came out which uh, if you haven't seen is pretty fantastic. It's amazing. It is so, I thought it would be so overdone and like, so like quintessentially like overdone Lerman, but it was, it just showed Elvis in a whole different way. That was really, really cool. And I really suggest everyone see that. Um, But as, as we digress, see the ducks, they take us on a journey. (laughs) Just get us way off course. (laughs) Yeah, but it's good. We always, we, everyone needs more ducks in their life. Um, So then you got really uncomfortable redesigning, or do it not not really uncomfortable, you stepped into a new sandbox, so to speak, redesigning the Homewood uh, Suites brand and working in lockstep with Hilton to do that. Um, A departure from what you were used to. And now you think about where you're like, okay, so you've had that experience, you still have all of your, your luxury experience, where, like, what's exciting you about your new entrepreneurial path forward?
1: Well, I mean, one thing that I think is fascinating is, um, you know, with Susan retiring, um, our the the amount of luxury work we get is not, you know, not like it used to be, um, and that's really okay. But we're doing a lot more with lifestyle uh, projects. Um, We just got back from, uh, we still do a lot down in Latin America. Uh, We just got back from the Dominican Republic, um, reviewing model room um, down there for a, uh, you know, a soft branded uh, hotel um, called Hotel Santiago. Um, And then, you know, we just were about to kick off another soft branded hotel in, uh, you know, Truckee, California. So um, you know, those kind of things are really—they're uh, uh, just fun. I mean, it's taking sort of that luxury mindset, and um, how it, it, you know, where it, it's very similar to what we did with the Homewood—is how do you take this luxury mindset and kind of apply it to things that maybe are not quite as luxury, that or that you know, more that are more accessible for uh, the uh, the average consumer.
0: So for the project in Truckee, are you going to, are there going to be any um, kind of cannibalistic themes going on at that hotel?
1: Not that we, not yet. Um, but, you know, the, uh, there may be like a standing reservation for the Donner party. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. Uh, it will have a rooftop hotel. Um, I mean, rooftop restaurant and that was and a bar. So.
0: That was a really good one. Do you think you'll have fish on the menu just for
1: the halibut? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> we haven't gotten that far. Haven't gotten that far. Oh, um, uh, halibut that. Yeah. I love it when my dad jokes get to come out. Yeah. I mean, that is, I keep telling everybody, they're like, they roll their eyes here. And I'm like, just give it time. You guys will, you guys will learn to appreciate it. Um, I totally agree.
0: Um, so a bunch of new projects coming up, and then anything else? Like, did this reconcepting on this on the select service side of things help you with a new strategy in your business as well?
1: Um, we have been asked for propose to propose on a lot of of the select service, especially with involved with the Homewood. People know we've done the brand, uh, done the prototype, and um, it just. Sometimes you just need to stay in your lane and understand what you are best at. Um, it, you know, and I, I say that lightheartedly, but it's also true. I mean, uh, for the most part, we've proposed on them and are not winning any of them. And I don't know how, I mean, God bless the people that, uh, that can do these as cheaply as they do, but uh, we can't. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just, uh, I have tried and I'm not really sure how it pencils out. Um, you know, so we kind of stay in our lane of, um, you know, everything, but select service, I guess not saying if there wasn't the opportunity, we would do it, but it just is, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it just, I get it. And the, uh, the, the owners that have come to us are very apologetic and I'm like, you know, I get it. I understand it. And, um, you know, thank you for the opportunity, I guess.
0: But also the idea of staying in your lane is a really powerful and also scary prospect, right? Because to be, I think, I think to be really successful at anything, you know, you need to be hyper-focused in your, in what you're best at, right? You find that zone of genius and you stay in there, but when you're hyper-focused and you stay in your lane as an
1: entrepreneur
0: that and pay rent and keep, you know, keep the wheels moving. It's scary to focus in on this, tight little bullseye at the expense of not working on so much of what else is out there.
1: That That is definitely one of the scarier parts. And you know, when, uh, you know, Pat and I talk a lot about, okay, you know, business strategy, how we're pricing things, what are we really looking at? And, you know, um, we will, we do our best to go after them. I mean, like, it's not like we're over, oh, we're, we're just ignoring that stuff. Um, but we know our strong suit. And so the thing is to really kind of, it's not as sometimes there's kind of a a slight broadening of your focus, Um, you know, getting into some of these true lifestyle hotels um, has been something we've been kind of slowly kind of working towards a little bit, Um, you know, more than I would say I'm super comfortable with. I've got team members who are phenomenal at it. And, um, you know, it just you know so it's kind of one of those things where you you can't just say okay here's my focus and I'm going to totally reshift into left field but if you can kind of slowly expand your focus um as the opportunity arises um you know that's kind of more of it's a subtle shift than a complete about face sort of thinking yeah you know I've heard you say lifestyle hotels
0: a couple times and rethinking about what that is i've like it's obvious, I think, like, I if I see a lifestyle hotel, I could probably tell you, hey, that's a lifestyle hotel. And it's obvious, that, like, so much investment from Hilton, IHG, uh, Marriott, Accor going into this space, and, and everyone else. I don't mean to only focus on them. Um, but, like, when you think of what a, a lifestyle hotel is versus... A boutique hotel or a resort, like how do you differentiate what a lifestyle hotel is from everything else? Because I feel like, and there might not, there's probably not a wrong answer, but it seems like there's a lot of flexibility with what a lifestyle hotel is on the margins. So, what does it what does it mean to you? So, I think
1: a lot of that has to, you know, has to do with what demographic they're trying to hit. You know, is for a lifestyle hotel, so some of the you know, the more um the ones really geared towards the, the younger um you know generations you know like a moxie um you know that marriott has um you know that's pretty obvious to me i mean like it's it's fun it's lighthearted it's got you know uh you know all the things that go with it it's kind of quirky um you know the when you get into say which we also do a good bit of or we, we do a good bit of is the the canopy by Hilton. So um you know when you look at those and it's a different sort of um demographic that they're going after, it's a little bit a little bit older. Doesn't mean that it couldn't be um a younger generation, but it's a little bit more serious, but they all tend to have sort of um you know this heavily sort of community aspect to them. Um, you know, they tend to be a little more uh, casual in their thinking. It's not a super serious sort of, you know, high design and we don't do, but you know, the, the crazy thing about a lifestyle is that it could, I mean, you go look at some of, um, you know, the things that, um, what's the Kelly Wurstler just, I uh, just did down in Austin. Um, like the proper the proper, you know, I think that fits a lifestyle sort of, um, definition, but it's getting a little bit out of that. You know, it's not quite as, um, you know, funky and I, I could be way wrong. I, I you know, <laughs> I, really, I could just, uh, I bet, you know, it just, uh, it's really, I mean, I don't have a great answer to it. Um, you know, if, if going back to when you were first
0: talking about your Homewood Suites experience, and also I think it ties into just kind of staying in your lane and being super focused. What, what I kind of picked up from you there, it's like being super clear about who your guest is for lifestyle. Right. And it's, yeah. it's focusing in on that psychographic or demographic. I think it's more of a psychographic than a demographic to be perfectly honest. It's really like a state of mind that you know, you're focusing in on that traveler or guest at the expense of many, many others. Not all others, but many others. And again, I think it just reaffirms that idea that focus works. Focus helps deliver so many things. Focus is a thesis. Focus um, is a goal. It's an achievable, measurable goal. Um, and it helped if you if if we're all super focused about things. We can get there much easier than trying to please everyone.
1: Right. And I I think that that is true. Um, You know, that's like I mentioned, one of the things we really have carried over. Um, You know, some of the brands now require a branding package and, you know, they have somebody else doing that. But when that is not being done by an outside source, it is something we will do uh, in house just to help us internally define, you know, the the clearer you are, the more definition of you can as to who the guest is and what kind of experience, you know, they are there for, um, the, the better off we are, the better off everyone is. Um, it's been real fun. We've got a crazy little project up in cripple Creek, Colorado, um, which is up behind Pikes peak, just outside of, uh, Fort Collins. And, um, I'm sorry, Colorado Springs, not Port Collins. And, uh, you know, it's a gold mining town. You know, they allow gambling and they're really trying to, they're struggling to figure out how and who um, who their next guest will be. And so we've been able to work through them with that, which has been kind of fun, um, you know, be able to bring some of that thought of like, hey, let's clearly identify who you're actually going after um, as future hotel guests, um, not just the ones you have, but who do you want? Um, you know, don't don't ignore the ones you have, but, you know, if you were to add to it, how would we go about that? So that's been really fun. You know, I also think
0: about, as far as identifying who the guest would be, I would think that the documentation and the data that Hilton would have, would be way more robust and clear than what an independent hotelier might have for their property in Cripple Creek, or it could could be anywhere. Um, Once you're presented with that data, either actual or aspirational or something in between, what are are like your kind of, what's your process as far as like taking that information and turning it into A built environment that feels a certain way, like you said before when you're talking about hospitality? Um,
1: Gosh, I mean, the, the, you know, it's just one more sort of data point, one more sort of uh, idea that we can help and kind of, you know, if it's a, uh, you know, if, if say it's this Cripple Creek Hotel and they, you know, you, you have to, I mean, to to, to want to stay at 10,000 feet in the air is, uh, you know, above sea level is, you know, you have to be pretty determined um, at that point. And, and if if you're not there for the gambling, what else? Do you have? So you can start to create this story, create this idea of who these people are and what they would be looking for. Um, you know, it's like, OK, the, somebody who's doing that is pretty adventurous. OK, somebody you, you could start to deduce a lot of things. And that will start to kind of affect the way we are designing a hotel. You know, it's going to be a little bit more casual. It's going to be a little bit, you know. So you start to kind of make assumptions, I guess, um, based on that demographic and based on who we've identified as as the target audience for this. Hmm. But it's not a real, you know, direct science. I guess it's not like oh, we can say go from here to here to here or that's yeah. But I guess ultimately
0: really- it's. Um- it's really taking all that data or who that ideal customer or guest is and really developing a thesis off of it that I guess through a iterative collaborative process all the stakeholders can kind of agree on and then you build from there yeah yeah but I, but I would imagine the brief you would get from Hilton would be
1: like enormous en- the uh, the speed and detail that Hilton, can provide things like that was phenomenal to me. I mean, I just the data that they could collect was astronomical. I mean, they could, you know, there was at times we had, um, we needed answers on something and they're like, well, we will go poll, um, you know, our our honors members. And they have some honors members that they know they can quickly get an answer from and they, they can get you, you know, like down to, hey, what's a priority? Um, uh, you know, I'm making something up, but like, uh, uh whether you need a, a bathtub in the, in the, in the bathroom or, or, or is you okay with a freestanding shower? I mean, it's not was I'm just making that one up, but, um, but they can come back to you with surprising accuracy, um, within a couple of weeks, like, you know, give it 10 days, um. And then just the other data that they can pull by their online sort of systems. And, you know, it's mind boggling. Um, It it really is. I mean, it just it it was it was phenomenal. I mean, it was just really uh, pretty amazing. And I know all the other brands have that same sort of ability to do that. I'm assuming that they can all tap into that as needed. But, um, you know, uh, it was it was pretty impressive. Yeah. And I mean, they must have it, especially when you think about,
0: you know, if you have 15 to 30 something brands under your umbrella, so to speak, it's um, you have to be able to get super granular. And then whatever the whoever the guest is right now, it's probably different than the guest in 10 years, just because people age their needs and wants and desires. Everything is always changing. Yeah, it's
1: which is not bad when you're talking from a, you know, a design standpoint to kind of have this continual uh, refresh of things and thoughts that you kind of constantly, it's never, you know, one, and then we're, Oh, we figured it out. We're done for the rest of it. You know, it's, it's always, you know, I mean, especially as everybody's kind of all the brands are moving to this, you know, fixed renovation cycle and um, you know, trying to plan out when they renovate things for everybody um, you know, it, it there's some, you know, it, it makes it really nice for us to know, okay, in the next couple of years we're gonna have this happen or that happen, or they're gonna to need to renovate all this, or um, you know, when a new prototype or something else comes out that uh, you know, people say, hey, we've got a there's sort of there's some planned and obsolescence is not as a good word, but maybe um at, at least we can know there's gonna be work coming for the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, because we always need to reinvent. Um when you're when you're within, I guess when you're within your your zone, so to speak, or within operating within your go your your goals and your and your your focus, or a new project that is kind of outside of there, do you have a similar way to kick off each project? I'm thinking like it's the first day of school, you get a brand new trapper keeper, or new notebooks, or pen, like. And then, you know, you just go in, it's a fresh, clean start. It's a clean slate. Do you have a a certain way that you like to kick off your new projects that you're working on?
1: Well, I mean, we, we tell pretty much all of our clients in some, to some degree, they'll, they'll, you know, let us do this in some, you know, it's not feasible, but, um, we really like to have a, a kickoff with all the members in the team, you know, on site, you know, with, uh, you know, get all the stakeholders there to really understand what the actual project is, and to understand kind of, you know, that's sort of a given. That's what we always do. Um, You know, and then from there, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of this, and I don't I mean standard's not a great word to say it, but we we you know kind of go through our our process of you know analysis of the site, analysis of the locale, um, sometimes. Ideally, that's on site. You know, sometimes we've had to do. You know, we, it's not been feasible, and we'll have to do things. Uh, you know, via the power of the internet. But um, for the most part, it's on site, and really kind of understanding a project and um, getting a good feel for it, and then you know, bring it back to to Dallas to and you know, and really kind of work through that and what it is this project is. Awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, All right, now I want to get in the time machine with you. I want you to go back to Baton Rouge, I guess before you went away to college, right? So there's what is that? The 17 or 18 year old of you, probably with a lot more hair. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) What, and let's just pretend you arrive in front of yourself. And what advice do you give yourself for the
1: future? Um, Gosh. I I think it goes back to how we kicked off this, you know, this talk, but it'd be basically just have confidence in yourself, have confidence to know that, um, you know, that no matter the outcome, um, it's never the end of the world. um, And that, you know, you're going to be all right, no matter what. Yeah. And I think, to build on that
0: and just hearing you, you know, get up the courage to have the conversation uh, that we started the conversation off with. Like I got to reach out to figure out how she said it, but it's really just stop having the conversation within yourself. It's it'll be a yes or no, but we all need to just get better at just putting it out there and hearing if it's a yes or no, or oftentimes it's not a yes or no.
1: It's some other path, right? Uh, the buildup is always, you know, that you in your mind is, is far greater than what this, the answer is going to come back to be. I mean, because my my mind was, OK, well, they're a, a simple yes or no question if they would, you know, patent is going to entertain this idea and let's kind of go down this path. And I had already worked towards they're going to, you know, be pissed off and they're going to, you know, lock me out and they're going to, you know, like my mind had gone from. Something which should have been very simple to like the worst case scenario. And, um, you know, it's like when people say, you know, what's the worst gonna happen? They're just gonna say no. And, um, you know, which they had done once before already. So that was, this was not the first time that this had come up, Um, you know? So it it just, it's, you know, you kind of work yourself up into things, go, okay, this is gonna be horrible. um, And it really is not nearly as, Um, as bad as uh, our mind makes it out to be.
0: And if you, okay, so much in the same way, you know, giving yourself advice, if there are any other, if there's anyone else, whether it's starting a business or making a big life decision, and they're kind of wrestling with the choice between their two ears, right? It's all going on in their head. What from your experience can you share with those out there who are struggling with a big decision to take that first step?
1: So, I mean, probably one of the biggest, uh, I have a very good friend. um, And so one of the, one of the biggest things that was helpful was to actually have somebody, a sounding board that I, um, that I knew that they would give me solid advice. I knew they had the kind of business acumen. Um, you know, it was somebody that I trusted, um, that he, we could sit down and kind of talk through it. And I would say, if you don't have somebody like that, you know, find somebody, um, you know, if you're, you know, there are avenues out there to kind of, to, to, to find people if you don't need, if you need that advice, um, you know, but really kind of need that sounding board, um, that, that somebody that you can go and go back to and say, okay this is my thought. What do you think? And he's going to shoot it to you straight. Um,
0: I totally agree. And also just from my experience too, it's, it's having the courage internally to just be like go in, open up, be vulnerable and take that step to ask that person, ask that sounding board or the people who are sounding boards or to just have that uncomfortable conversation. Because it's uncomfortable, the most uncomfortable conversations we can ever imagine having or have had. I think we've all materially changed after having those. I would say, I would argue more often for the better because no matter the outcome, being uncomfortable helps us become better versions of ourselves, right? It helps us grow. Yeah, I know. I would agree with that. Cool. Um, Jeff, if people wanted to get in touch with you or learn more about um, Murphy Kramer Design, like how do they
1: do that? Um, They can either email me um, directly. I'm happy to give that out, which is gkramer at mcdesign.com. Or, um, you know, I'm pretty easily accessible on our website or LinkedIn um, kind of any one of those is probably the best way. But cool. Yeah, and I've got an Instagram, but it has nothing to do with what we do. It's just kind of random stuff that I post out there. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll
0: put that up in the notes. And I think I'm going to see you again in a couple weeks, depending. Actually, maybe we'll we'll push this airing up a little bit because I'm going to be out there for the. There's a big NEWH thing going on. I think in a week or ten days. Uh, yeah, it's next week, I think. Or yeah, and you're going to the be 24th. there. Twenty fourth. 24th Um, or 27th. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'll put it on there. I don't remember. But yeah. Okay. Well, I'm hoping I'll get to see you. And um, I know in the past, I've always said that um, this is always, It's every week this show has grown and grown and grown. Um, I'm just now, it's all been word of mouth, but now I'm just starting to reach out to some people who I think would be interested on LinkedIn to give it a shot and a listen um, as we continue to grow. And so thanks. If you're listening to this for the first time, if anyone else is has been listening to this over and over, which I know a lot of people have, um, I hope that this has helped change your idea on making making others have the courage to become better versions of themselves, or really think about what the built environment is for hospitality. If this has changed your thinking or reaffirmed your thinking, again, please share this. Um, we're really excited to grow and keep getting the message out. And again. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Dan. It's been fun. And everyone else, thank you so much for listening. And we will be in touch.